Well, we're going to go to the book of Ephesians this morning, Ephesians chapter 6. And I just want to tell you, first of all, that in the book of Ephesians, the Scripture gives us many great teachings that help to mature us and grow us, not only individually, but also as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, he tells us that we are part of the beloved, that we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, and that the church is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. In chapter 2, it tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, and that we are his workmen created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared for us in advance to do. In chapter 3, he tells us about the revelation of the mystery of the gospel. And he tells us about a God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. In Ephesians chapter 4, he tells us that we are to put off that old nature and to put on the new. And he tells us that we are to grow up into Jesus. In chapter 5, he tells us we're to walk in love, that we're to walk in light, and that we're to walk in wisdom. He tells us about the husband and wife relationship. And he tells us about a glorious church that Jesus is preparing for himself, that he is coming back for this glorious church. Then in chapter 6, he starts off talking about parents and children and then masters and servants. And finally, it comes down to this. In Ephesians 6.10, he says, finally... You see, all the rest of that is so powerful and so important for us as a body to grow up and become who God wants us to be. But we need to understand how important this is. He wraps up this great teaching with finally be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I want you to know from the very beginning of this message this morning that we are supposed to be strong. There's no place for wimpy, sissy Christianity. We're supposed to be strong in the Lord. There is a battle, and it's real. And this is not a suggestion or a good idea, but it is a command from the Word of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. The power of His might. I want you to know our God is mighty. He has all power, and He's called us to be His people, to be strong in the Lord. See, the truth is we can't do the things that God wants us to do if we're not strong in the Lord. We can't live the way He wants us to live if we're not strong. We will not have the victory He wants us to have if we're not strong in the Lord. And there's a lot of people have good intentions. I mean, we all know this. Just because people have good intentions doesn't mean they're going to get it done. No, they have good intentions, but they fail because they're not strong in the Lord. This command is not referring to any kind of physical strength whatsoever. No, it's not, you know, we're, hey, we're all going to go down to the gym and lift weights and take supplements and try to get stronger. No, it's not about that. See, some people, they're naturally stronger physically than others. 
It's not about that. It's not about being a strong personality. You know, some people are just more forceful. They, you know, they're going to get their way. It's not about that. This is about being strong in the Lord, that spiritually we are strong. You know, one of the best ways I can explain this is just to say that my little hundred and barely something pound wife is strong in the Lord. She's fierce in the spirit. She knows how to fight. And there are some big physically strong men that are like little girls when it comes to fighting in the spirit. Now we have men in this church that are both. Praise the Lord. And I like that. But I'm just saying, you see, this isn't about physical strength and it's not even just about, you know, our personality. This is about spiritual strength. I just want to say that, you know, there are some people who are intercessors that you may not see them up in front. You may not know their name, but yet they are some of the ones who are strong in the Lord and they're getting it done in the Spirit. You see, we're not talking about natural giftings and natural strength. We're talking about being strong in the Lord. It is something on the inside, being strong in the Spirit. And I want to tell you, there's just too much at stake for us to not be strong in the Lord. There are families that are at stake. There are souls that are at stake, lives that are at stake, eternities that are at stake. We need to be strong in the Lord. You know, the Apostle Paul, he said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now, he was talking about when I'm weak in natural things, you see, then I'm strong because God's strength takes over. When our strength is not enough, God's strength is there. And you see, that's what we have to have is the Lord's strength. David said, the Lord is my strength. This mighty warrior, the one that killed Goliath, he never bragged about his strength like people do today. Instead, he said, the Lord is my strength. And that's what we're talking about this morning, is that God is our strength, that we are strong in Him. All of us, you see, can be strong in the Lord. It's available to us. All of us can be strong in the Lord. And I would encourage you, I want to challenge you to decide that you are going to be strong in the Lord. The Lord doesn't tell us to do anything that He doesn't enable us to do. You can be strong in the Lord. And we need that strength. We need it every day to do what we're supposed to do, to be who we're supposed to be. See, if you're going to really live for God, you need to be strong in the Lord. I mean, I mean, if you're not going to live a life of compromise and in and out and up and down, you're going to have to be strong in the Lord. If you really want to learn how to love your enemies, I mean, if you're going to do that, you know what you're going to need? God's strength. Because <laughs> it's not easy. Sometimes, you know, when you've been horribly wronged or your family member, your loved one has been, you need the strength of the Lord to be able to forgive that person. We need God's strength to be able to reach out to a lost and hurting world. 
We need the strength of the Lord to overcome temptation. You need the strength of God to truly be the father, the husband, the wife, the mother that God wants you to be. You need God's strength to accomplish that. You need His strength to be a witness. You can't do that on your own. We need His strength to be able to stand up in such a time as we live, in the day of compromise and immorality, to stand against peer pressure, to stand against what we see going on in our world, that we don't just become part of it. It takes God's strength in our life. We need His strength to fulfill His plan, His purpose in our lives. See, we got to be strong to do the good works that He created us to do. And we are in a great battle, you see. And we can't win this battle if we're not strong in the Lord. It's not optional. It's not really optional. I mean... It's optional in the sense is that you can be a loser if you want to. I don't know where these things come from sometimes. But where we get this idea that we can be weak, wimpy Christians and it doesn't matter. Yes, it matters. We want to be, we want to win. We want to be strong in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6.13 says, Watch, stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. See, watch is to be ready. Stand fast is that you don't back down. Be brave. Be strong. This is our call. This is who we're supposed to be. Strong. Not, I'm not talking about some prideful thing. No, it's strong in the Lord. It all comes from Him. But I want to tell you that it's not automatic. The Bible tells us, be strong. Why is it telling us, be strong? Because we have to decide. We want to be strong. We're not just going to be some wimpy Christian. You know, there's a whole lot of uh, coasting Christianity. They're just coasting. And it seems like it's all right. I'm going to tell you, we'll get to it in a few minutes, but there's a day coming when that ain't going to cut it. But I'm just saying, you know, the problem with coasting... It's all downhill. That's right. Ain't nobody coasting uphill. It's all downhill. And sooner or later, I'm going to tell you, they're going to come to a place where that coasting Christianity doesn't work. You need to be strong. You got to be strong in the Lord. So I think the church has really tried to lower the bar of expectation as a way to get, well, to get everybody saved. Now see, the Uh, The intent there is good. I mean, we want to get everybody saved. But lowering the bar is not the way to do it. Listen, that phony gospel doesn't get anybody saved. And it comes off like this. Hey, it's easy. It's so easy to be a Christian. Now, this might not be the exact wording that's used, but I'm telling you, this is the way it comes off. It's so easy. Just pray this prayer. It's so easy. Cheap and easy. It wasn't cheap, and it ain't easy. And what happens is is there are a lot of believers, well, a lot of Christians, a lot of so-called Christians, who think that they're saved, and they ain't living for God at all. And many of them are a tool of the devil 
not being used of God. And it's also the reason that there are so many people that are disillusioned with Christianity because it was sold to them as this quick fix for their life. I mean, you just pray this prayer, everything's going to be great. And when it didn't happen that way, they became disillusioned and they don't even want what we have. They've been inoculated to it. No, it is as simple as just pray this prayer when you understand that you're giving your life to Jesus. You see, what I see Jesus talk about is that if anybody would follow him or come to him, you deny yourself, you take up his cross daily and follow him. And then he goes on and he says, because if if you save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, you'll find it. You see, it's when you're ready to turn your life over to Jesus. I want to tell you what happens. You step over the line. You step over the line onto the right side of the battle. You're still in the battle. And you see, we just need to understand We can't play games. We got to be strong in the Lord. It matters. There's too much at stake. And we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. He wants us to be strong. He wants us to be ready for battle. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, you'll notice here, he tells us that we're supposed to do something to prepare to stand against the wiles of the devil. It is not automatic. It's not just coasting downhill, you know. There's too many Christians living in some kind of made-up la-la land. Read the Bible. There is a real battle that's going on, and you've got to be prepared for it. You got to be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God. And we'll get to the armor in just a minute, but I want you to notice here that he talks about the wiles of the devil. In the NIV, it says schemes. You see, Satan has no authority over us. We've been delivered from his dominion. But he is a master deceiver, and he is always working, always trying to use his weapon of deception. He started it in the garden with Eve when he changed the word of God just a little bit to deceive her. In John 8, 44, Jesus says that he is the liar a liar, and he is the father of lies. And you just need to realize that he's been deceiving people for a really, really long time. And if we're going to stand against the wiles, the tricks of the devil, we need to be prepared for the deceptions, the tricks that he brings. We need to understand how he works Because too many, I want to tell you, here's one of the biggest deceptions in the church world today. Too many have been deceived that there isn't really a battle. In fact, the majority of those who call themselves Christian in America don't even believe that there is a devil or a hell. That is absolutely amazing. You talk about being deceived, they're not in the fight. And they blame God for all of the evil things that Satan does in this world because they don't even believe in a devil, so it must be God's fault. 
Such a strong delusion, deception. So many believers, and, and many even who know there is a devil, they know there is a hell, and yet they don't realize that there is such a battle going on every day. It is a huge deception of the enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You need to know this, that you have an adversary. If you are a believer, you have an adversary. And he is always looking for an opportunity to get an advantage of us to destroy. Be sober. Be vigilant. That means to be alert. To be ready. See, we're not living in some kind of la-la land. No, we're alert, we're ready because our enemy is always looking for an opportunity to get an advantage of us, to bring his trouble, his destruction in our life. We need to know this battle is real. And there are many who are losing in the battle. And they say, why did God do this to me? It wasn't God. Jesus says in John 10 and 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I want to tell you, God is always good, and He wants to bless you. He wants to do you good. But this battle is real, and there's casualties all around. That's why we have to be strong in the Lord. we got to be ready. This pop theology of the day leaves people with this wimpy, whiny, weak Christianity. They don't know how to stand against the enemy and fight the fight of faith. And you ask people, you say, well, you know, why aren't you involved in the work of the Lord anymore? Well, you know, I was, but this person, they said this to me, and it hurt my feelings, and I just decided I didn't need that. How wimpy has the church become? Let me tell you something. People don't call you, and people can't uncall you. Just because somebody hurts your feelings, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Oh, my goodness. See, we're living in a time where just any little thing gets somebody to back off from serving God and doing what God wants them to do. Oh, you know, it's just so hard to get up on Sunday morning and go... That's how wimpy the church has become today. It's so hard to get up and go to church. I mean, you know, and that preacher, he's long-winded. We have to sit there for an hour and 15 minutes while he drones on. Maybe you need to start praying for the preacher. I'm just telling you, we need to get past this wimpy Christianity. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. That doesn't sound like people that sit home on Sunday morning. Easy prey for the enemy. you got to be strong in the Lord because there is a day of adversity that will come. And you need to be ready for it. You want to have victory in your life? I want to tell you, being strong in the Lord is not an option. Verse 12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You see, that's very real. 
that there is a spiritual battle that is always taking place, but there's an, another powerful deception that we need to uncover here. You see, he says in verse 12, we do not wrestle, and that's the battle cry of some Christians. We don't fight at all. You're in a fight, whether you know it or not. You might be asleep on the battlefield, but you're in a battle. The other deception that needs to be uncovered is he tells us we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. You know, it's one of the greatest attacks of the enemy against the church in America is to get us fighting against one another. With other churches and sometimes even within a local body where people fight with each other over the silliest, stupidest things. Did you know, we talked about two weeks ago about persecution and how that in many places in the world there is still terrible persecution where people are imprisoned and even put to death for the cause of Christ. Did you know that in those places those Christians don't ever fight among themselves? They know who their real enemy is. Why do we forget? Anytime that we're fighting amongst ourselves, the enemy has gotten an advantage of us. But get this. It's not just our brothers and sisters. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our enemy is not the lost. They are our target that we're trying to reach. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, and that's our job also. We're carrying out His mission. No, we are wrestling, we are fighting against the powers of darkness. This is why we have to be strong in the Lord. That's where our real battle is. Verse 13, he says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. We'll get to that in a moment, but I want you to see this. He says that we may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all all to stand. There's an evil day. An evil day. There is a day when you will be attacked. There is a time, a season, when you're going to go through a real battle. There's going to be a trying of your faith and you have to stand firm and fight the good fight of faith. Now, how many of you have been there and you can testify, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the evil day. The day of adversity will come. And when that day comes, you don't want to be a wimpy Christian. You want to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might so that you can stand in that evil day. That's what the Scripture tells us. There's going to be moments in the heat of the battle. Temptation comes. Friends turn against you. Circumstances discourage you. There's going to be times when He attacks your weakness I'm just telling you there is a day of adversity and you got to be strong in that day. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You know what the problem is? Their strength was small. How, you win, how do you win in the day of adversity? you got to be strong in the Lord. We need to be ready for it. 
so that we're not caught off guard and unprepared when adversity comes. And you're going to have adversity because you have an adversary. You got to be ready. You know, as a Christian, you really become a target for the enemy directly and indirectly. I mean, he's going to oppose you and cause trouble for you through all kinds of ways. Sometimes through other people, sometimes through health problems, sometimes through your finances or family. All kinds of ways that the enemy will come against you and bring an attack against you. But every believer, no matter how spiritual or how faithful, how committed they are, they're going to face a day of adversity, troubles and trials. What do you do? He says, stand. You got to be ready to stand. You got to be strong to stand in that day. You know, here's the original, stand your ground. We got to stand our ground spiritually that when the enemy attacks, we're not backing up, we're not backing down, we're not going to turn tail and run and quit going to church and serving God. We're going to be strong in the Lord. We're going to stand. Not going to let the devil get an inch. Not backing down in any way. You don't quit, you don't run, you stand. James 4, 7 says, submit to God. That means you do what God wants, you obey God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, I don't know exactly how long that takes. I know some people act like it's instant. Well, that's really awesome if that works for you. I've had some battles that lasted for more than an instant. But I do know this, that the Word of God is true, that if we are submitted to God, we're doing what He wants, and we will stand and resist the devil, He will flee. We win. But you got to be ready to stand your ground and not back down. Now, in these next few verses, it tells us about the armor of God. And I think some people just get kind of silly with it, going too far about each body part and all of that. But this is just an analogy to tell us that we need these things in our life if we're going to be strong in the Lord. He says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. I already told you that Satan's number one weapon is deception. He is a liar and he always uses deception. You have to know the truth so that you won't be taken in by some foolishness. And I'm saying it that way because, listen, a lot of people get deceived by some false teaching and it messes them up. You need to know the truth. The truth will bring freedom and victory in your life. But you can't, you can't just l- listen and, to every voice and you know whatever comes along. You need to be careful about who you listen to, who you allow to speak into your life. You know, when Satan tempted Jesus, it was in, a, in effect, it was an attempt to deceive him. But Jesus knew the word, and he spoke that word, that truth, and the enemy fled. And I can't tell you how many times that as we... Well, let me just give you this example. When we were going to build this building, you know, it took so long. I thought it was going to be at the most 18 months. Well, seven years later, we moved in. And during that time, I can't tell you how many times I had the thought pop into my head, oh, it's never going to happen. And I can't tell you how many times the accusations came of people saying we weren't ever going to do it. 
But I want you to know that God is faithful. We've been in this building nine years now. And I, I just want you to understand that whatever it is, the enemy will try to bring a deception to get you to back away from what God has called you to do and what he wants to do in and through your life. You need that truth. If without the truth, it makes you easy prey for the enemy. Next, he says, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Your righteousness is a gift from God that you received by faith. Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and he is always ready to stand by and point his finger at you and say, oh, you dog, you know what you did. He'll try to get you underneath a, a cloud of guilt and condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8.1. No, we're supposed to be free from condemnation, but the enemy knows that if he can get you feeling condemned and fit, get you to where you feel guilty and under this cloud all the time, then you won't be able to stand on the promises. You'll think that that's not really for you because you know who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I want you to know that when he makes you righteous, that doesn't mean he just stamps a, a, a label of righteous on you. It means He changes you. He makes us righteous. I also want to tell you, listen, if there's something that's dogging you, some sin that you committed and it's just eating your lunch, there's a simple answer for that. It's 1 John 1, 9. You go to God. If you confess your sin to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And once you've done that, then you don't listen to the accuser anymore because God is faithful and just. He keeps His word. But as long as you allow the enemy to make you feel like you're not right with God and you can't be a recipient of His blessings and His promise, I'm telling you, the enemy has an advantage of you. Isaiah 54, 17, I love this one from the Old Testament. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Some people are confused about this, but Paul says it very clearly. No one was ever justified by the works of the law. Nobody in the Old Testament was right with God because of what they had done. It's always been by faith. Our righteousness has always been from the Lord. And it still is. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You see, when you know that you're right with God, that you've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you face off with the enemy in that evil day, you can be bold as a lion. But as long as you allow that old guilt to take over, you'll find yourself running away from the battle. Next he says, verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now I want to say this very clearly. We are always supposed to share 
the gospel, the good news. And in fact, the Bible tells us many, many, many times that we're to go into all the world. We're to, we're to always be witnesses of Jesus and tell people about the gospel. But I, I really believe that in the context that this is said here where he's talking about the good news of peace, that this is part of the armor that protects us. We need the peace of God. When you're in a battle, you need the peace of God. Gideon, called of the Lord to lead God's people into battle. And you know what name that Gideon gives the Lord? Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. He's he's been called to lead the people into battle. And this is what he says. The Lord our peace. And you see, we need that peace. When we're in the battle, we can have a peace that passes understanding. We know that we're on the winning team. We know that our God has never failed. We know we can count on Him, and we don't let the enemy steal away our peace. No, you you stand with that peace. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Don't let the enemy get you rattled in any way. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Wow. I know he's speaking figuratively here, but you just need to understand that the enemy is going to take a shot at you. He's going to try to hurt you. He's he's coming after you. You know what I hate? I hate how it comes after my loved ones. You know what you do about that? Fight! I'm not talking about flesh and blood either. (laughs) Oh, that's too easy, guys. No, we fight in the Spirit. you got to be strong in the Lord. And you need that shield of faith. That's how you quench You put them out. All those fiery darts of the wicked one, you have your faith in God. You are trusting in Him. You're not trusting in yourself. You're not trusting in anything or anybody else. Your faith is in God. And that shield of faith will quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. A bad report comes. You see the wind and the waves. You know, it's at that point you make your decision. You know what? I'm standing in faith. I'm not going to allow that to change me. Next, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Don't let the devil mess with your mind. You need to know that you know that you know that Jesus is your Savior, that He has bought you and paid the price for you, that He saved you, set you free, delivered you, healed you, and made you whole, that you belong to Him, that you've been translated from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. I'm just telling you, you need to know that you know that you know that you belong to Jesus and that you're saved. And next he says, "...and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God." See, you need to know the Word of God. This is our offensive weapon. This is how we go after the enemy. This is how we put him to flight. Remember at the temptation of Jesus, Jesus spoke the Word every time He was tempted. You need to realize that angels heed the Word of God. And so do demons. 
The Word of God is so powerful, it's how the worlds were spoken into being. And when we speak His Word, it has great power. It is the sword of the Spirit. See, we understand natural weapons. This is the spiritual weapon. It is the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God. You know the wonderful thing about us all having a Bible and computers and phones and everything else is, you know what, you get in a a battle and you, you can go start searching for Scripture. And You know, sometimes by the grace of God, we find just what we need pretty quick. But I want to tell you how much better it is when the battle comes, when there's a fight, and you are already armed and ready. You've got a word, and you know what to say. You know how to stand and fight against that. See, we need to get rid of this attitude of this coasting Christianity. It's so foolish and so silly. You need to be prepared for that day with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ready to fight. What does it all come down to? When you've got the armor of God on, listen, He tells us, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And He says, put on the whole armor of God. You see, we need all of this armor so that we can be strong in the Lord. And now, what do we do when we are strong in the Lord? He tells us, and you'll notice here, if you're looking at the Scripture, this is not a new sentence. This is just a continuation of what he's already been saying. Verse 18, he says, "...praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints." You see, this is how we do battle, we pray. We pray. I'm telling you, prayer is what brings the power of God. Prayer is what will get it done in the Spirit. We don't fight spiritual battles by natural means. We fight that battle in the Spirit. And that's why prayer is so important and why sometimes it is those who are in the background who are intercessors that are praying that are making such a difference even though they don't get any glory or recognition. I want to tell you something they will in heaven. Some of those that we think are last are going to be first. Yes, they are. Prayer. You stand in the gap for those that are in a battle. You pray. You stand in the gap for those that you know they've been coasting. They're weak. You stand in the gap and pray for those that are going the wrong way. As I'm telling you, it makes a difference when we pray. And we push back the powers of darkness. We've got to be strong in the Lord. You know, right now, Jesus is building His church. And we get to be a part of that. What an awesome thing that we would have His power upon these clay vessels and that in some way He would use us what He's doing in the earth today. We need to be strong in the Lord. We have a great commission And there's a great battle. And I want to tell you, there's going to be a great victory. Jesus is going to make his enemies his footstool. And he's going to use it. He's going to use the church to do it. Even the gates of hell can't stop his church. But I want to tell you again, we got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now, if you feel weak this morning, and I'm not talking about physically, 
I'm talking about spiritually. If you feel weak this morning, I want you to know something. I got a word for you. It's Isaiah 41.10. Fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand, my righteous right hand. He says, I am with you. I will strengthen you. I want you to know, if you'll turn to the Lord, you see, if you're sincere, God can strengthen you. This is for all of us. This isn't just available to a few super spiritual people. Listen, He can make you a spiritual person. He can make you strong in the Lord. But I really believe this is something that we have to want in our life. It's not automatic. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. So much at stake. I want you to stand with me. We're going to ask our prayer partners to go ahead and come.